And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. You are listening to the Patriot Pastors Podcast, where we talk about today's issues from a pastor's perspective, as well as calling America back to the faith of our fathers. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. We ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Here's your host, Wade Lentz and Harold Smith. All right, welcome to the Patriot Pastors Podcast. I am Wade Lentz, and I'm joined with my good friend and co-host, Harold Smith. Harold, did you have a good Christmas? I did. Santa Claus was really good to me. I got cash. So, Cash. wow. Yeah, that's the gift that keeps on giving. You just keep spending <laughs> it till you run out. That's right. Wow, that, that is a, quite the Christmas gift. Did, did you get that from your wife or, or did uh, you pull it out my, of your own account? My, wa- my wife is my Christmas gift. We don't get each other anything. <laughs> we just go get what we want. But it really helps if you're short and fat because it's hard to buy clothes to fit short and fat. So they just give you cash thinking you're going to get a shirt or pants. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm getting a shotgun and some ammo. <laughs> there you go. I want to mention some things just by way of introduction before we get started on our topic today. Today is the anniversary of the January 6th riots where Trump was having his rally. And then you know the story, how things get way out of hand. And one person was killed, one lady, Ashley Babbitt, who was killed. Uh, today, they're having a big to-do with the politicians in Washington, having some t- type of a anniversary type ceremony. And uh, our vice president, Kamala Harris, just compared the January 6th riots to Pearl Harbor. Can you a believe da- that? A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The only reason it's a day in infamy is because they're going to make it one. When you yeah. you mentioned this, you know, we need to talk about this. I'm like, what? What What happened? I mean, I had no idea it had mm-hmm. left. You know, I, now I'll confess I have a, a small brain and a limited memory, but that was really not something that I thought, you know, the history right. books would be bringing up in 100 years. Yes, it will be a liberal talking point for years and years to come unfortunately, and they, they see it as a, a way of gaining momentum for their uh, liberal agenda and really pushing this on all the conservatives, Christian conservatives who voted for Trump. Y'all are insurrectionists and so forth, which is just so stupid. Man, I just can't fathom taking the Japanese military, killing hundreds of United States service men and women on the on the island of Hawaii mm-hmm. and linking that to a handful of rioters in DC that had news media following them along. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there were so many things about that that are just weird. And to try to 
equate that of being on the same level. I mean, that's anybody that still has a functioning brain, even as small as mine, can see mm-hmm. through this uh, this propaganda machine. Absolutely. It's it is crazy that she would compare the two. But, you know, that's just par for the course with this particular administration that we have. Uh, another big news story, if you are in the SBC, is the departure of Josh Bice and his church that he pastors, Pray Mills Baptist Church in Georgia. Uh, they just recently pulled out of the Southern Baptist Convention. And here's a guy who is very influential in his in the conservative movement within the Southern Baptist Convention. He's the founder and president of G3 Ministries. Uh, he has a big following. So this was a big blow. If you are a conservative in the SBC, this one, this yeah. is a kind of a wake-up call for you. Yeah, and I think SBC pastors are going to have to come to grips that they're in a battle, and they've got really two fights they can choose to fight. They can um, fight the the convention, uh, at convention meetings. They can write letters and articles online and and really criticize the convention for what's going on and try to turn it around. Or they can go to their congregations and try to fight a 85-year-old grandma that's going to be Southern Baptist till she dies and convince her that, hey, look, this is not the convention that you grew up in. And mm-hmm. our church is going to have to head in a different direction. And I, I don't want to say a whole lot about this because you and I are not in the Southern Baptist Convention and we've been vocal about these things in the past. But, Pastor, you're going to have to take some responsibility for why you're in the convention. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to start taking some steps to lead your church. Otherwise, you're allowing maybe a handful of deacons or one prominent family to lead your church. So yes. if you're upset with what's going on in the convention, on one battle, you need to be trying to fix it. But at the same time, you need to be preparing an exit strategy if it can't be fixed. Right. And otherwise, you're going to be 10 years from now, and your church is still going to be sending double digits to a convention that you cannot of good conscience support. So mm-hmm. there's a battle and you need to pick it wisely. Yeah, you're right. There's there's a battle either way. You're going to continue to battle the Southern Baptist elites or you're going to have to battle those in your congregation who just do not want to leave. And uh, I, I don't believe that you have any choice in the matter uh, to not fight. You have to yeah. fight at some point. And I, I don't mean fight in the, in the uh, term of hostility, but taking a stand. Yeah. Uh, a, a pastor does have to take a stand within the SBC. And if that does not show any signs of change, then you need to take a stand with the church that is a part of the SBC. And that battle starts with education. You've got to educate your people for what's going on. I right. was always amazed at how many Southern Baptists sitting in a pew had no idea what the leadership of the convention was doing, how their money was being spent, uh, the wokeness, the CRT and intersectionality. Most Southern Baptists are ignorant of that. And I'm Mm going to tell you something. It is the pastor's responsibility to educate his people about how their money's being spent. And it's dishonest to turn a blind eye to all that and act like it's not a problem and continue to spend the Lord's money on such frivolous, ludicrous things. Sure. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before. 
for some people in the SBC, in these churches that are a part of them, they don't see the big deal of the direction the SBC is going so long as their church is not like that, so long as their church is not woke. Well, you know, we don't want to withdraw. We still want to support the SBC because the SBC has done so much for us. And so though a pastor may educate his members, that education itself may not be enough right. for them to say, okay, yeah, we don't need to, to support them, especially those churches who were started or helped started by an SBC entity of some sure. sort. So, Well, the battle begins with education. You can't right. just show up exactly. one day at church and say, hey, we're leaving the convention if you haven't for the last period of time been educating them on a regular basis about why you know, these things need to be fixed. And then ultimately why we can't fix them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, here's the thing. The odds of fixing the convention are contingent upon prominent conservative people like Josh Bice and his church and his influence being in there. And when those people start leaving the odds of winning, have you ever watched like uh, professional poker? Or if you ever watch like a boxing match, you know, where they show the scorecard and then they're like, okay, at this point in the game, he has a 12% chance of getting the right card or a 12% chance of winning the fight. Mm -hmm. The more prominent conservative leaders that leave the convention, the lower those percentages. And I'm not trying to say God's a man of percentages. Right, right. At some point in time, you got to read the writing on the wall and you've got to make a decision based upon facts and not hopes and dreams. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. But that was uh, kind of a big deal. Um, I, that was unexpected, uh, but I think it was for him and his church the the right move. He They had come to a point to where they felt like, hey, we've done everything that we have could possibly do, and there does not seem to be any change whatsoever. So they the church voted to, to pull out. And, and I... Uh, I admire him for following his convictions and and doing it in a way that got 100% church support, you know? Yeah, right. We're not advocating that you guys run out there and turn your church upside down, but if these things are bothering to you and and they're convicting your conscience, Mm -hmm. you better start now and and start making preparation for what's going to have to be done in the future. Right. right. Let's get into our topic today, Wade. Are you ready? Yes, I, I think so. Well, they say prison changes a man. You you just spent seven days on Twitter, Patmos, being in jail for being censored on Twitter for for what? Tell us, tell us, tell us what brought this seven day uh, stint in the slammer. Can you believe that as a pastor, I would spend jail time? Uh, well, crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. You're almost it, like like you know, Paul spent some jail time. Peter did some oh, jail yeah. time. Yes. I know yeah, this I ain't that kind of jail time. It wasn't but. that kind of experience, but yeah, my my Twitter account was locked out for seven days. And the reason was because I commented, I tweeted a comment on a news site that was talking about a 14-year-old who murdered three innocent people, shot them dead. And his father was in the getaway vehicle. So after he goes in this convenience store and they show the uh, surveillance video, he shoots these three teenagers, kills them, and then runs to his father's truck and they escape. And my comment was that if they are found guilty, then they need to be executed. 
and Twitter immediately deleted my, or excuse me, they took down uh, that comment and they suspended my uh, whole Twitter account and said, you must delete this comment or you will never get back on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to go in there and delete the comment. And then even after deleting the comment, you are on suspension. Uh, you are in Twitter jail is what we referred to as for seven days and uh, for wishing harm on someone else. So, you know, I, I, you know here's a guy, 14 year old, shoots three people in Tina in cold blood. And I get suspended from Twitter for seven days for saying, hey, he and his father need to be executed. Here, here's the problem. What you are advocating for is justice. And what they were calling justice was they were calling it harm. Mm. There has to be justice for these three people that died. And right. when you're talking about a 14-year-old, this is a guy with some real, real issues. If you mm -hmm. can just in cold blood walk up to people, put a gun to them, start pulling the trigger, and drive away, this is a hardened criminal here we're talking about, Wade. This is oh, not my. manslaughter. This is not self-defense. This is not an act of desperation. These are the kind of people we do not want in our society because they're a danger to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I, uh, I was able to view my Twitter feed. I was able to see comments. I was not able to like anything. I was not able to comment on anything. Uh, and I kind of felt like the guy, Bruce Willis, in the movie Sixth Sense, you know, was talking to several folks, but nobody would listen. You know, have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. I, I kind of felt like him. Uh, really just not existent. But uh, anyway, it's just really the, the power of social media and the power of their censorship. And censorship is a real deal and that happens on all major platforms. Here, here's something I think we need to point out. All of these groups are working together. Mm -hmm. When they delete one person's account or they kick one person off Twitter so many times, Instagram, Facebook, some other social media giant follow suit with the same person. Um, right. I'm, I'm no, uh, I've not been booted out for, for looking for justice, but I actually was, I'm currently locked out of Instagram. I haven't been on Instagram in nine months, but somebody hacked my Instagram account, got on the direct messenger section of that and accessed my Facebook messenger account and began sending all of my friends on Facebook messages about HUD housing and getting cheap government paid housing. And so I knew I was hacked. Mm -hmm. So I jumped on Facebook. I changed my password. I realized then that the messages were coming from Instagram. So I jumped on Instagram. I changed my password and I thought, you know, I ain't been on Instagram in forever. And I realized I couldn't like any post. I couldn't follow or unfollow anyone. I couldn't send any messages. And I kept getting this statement that said that I was blocked for set for seven days from any interaction on Instagram because I had used an outside agency to increase my likes and shares and followers. Mm -hmm. Well, whoever did that is who hacked me. Yeah, okay. So right. even though I didn't do anything wrong, 
I sent all the reports off. Not that I wanted to be on Instagram. I just wanted justice. You know, I wanted to clear my name. Hey, it's not me. I was hacked. Right. I never got one response. Not one. I've sent messages off. I've followed all the channels. Here's the point I want to make about all this. You were in jail for something you said that that big social media didn't like. I was in jail because some hacker, you know, stole my account and did stuff with it he shouldn't. This affected not only Instagram, but Facebook. The power of this is that we have no recourse whatsoever. Yeah. There is yeah. no there is no court of appeals here. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very active on YouTube. It's the same way there. They take down a video. They don't have to tell you why. There's no guarantee you will ever get it back. Right. So I think in the in the last part of our podcast today, I think you and I need to be kind of thinking critical about how to move forward and maintain a social media presence. And really what I'd like to talk about after you think about that, um, I would like to talk about what churches should do, because I know a lot of churches that are heavily reliant upon social media like Facebook, mm -hmm. Twitter, Instagram. Right. So what do you think for a for a person who's looking to escape heavy censorship, what should they do to stay on social media? Well, I think you need to look for alternatives, uh, uh, bottom line, and because, because think about this, and we've said this for a, a year since it's happened. If Twitter and Facebook will silence and censor the president of the United States, they will easily censor, uh, censor you as well. And, and that's a, that is what exactly is happening. And that this censorship is, is just escalating more and more. They're getting more uh, brave in the amount of people that they are censoring. So uh, it's, it's very important to be looking out for alternatives. And um, I know Facebook has some, some alternatives such as, uh, was it MeWe? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I'm a part of it, but I'm not. Um, and really Facebook for me, I've not been very active on that since August, uh, since I started seminary. Um, but also I just got so sick and tired of posting something maybe about COVID or a vaccine. And then all these fact checkers that they uh -huh. hire, you know, um, would censor my post or whatever. And I'm just sick and tired of that. But I have joined the new website social media page called Gitter, G-E-T-T-R. It's kind of a uh, alternative to Twitter. And um, it's very, very nice, uh, very good, clean site. Joe Rogan just left Twitter and started his Gitter account just the other day. The first day that he had a Gitter account, he had 8.1 million followers wow. which is uh which is crazy which was more than what he had on twitter and he was been on he's been on twitter for over 10 years so it's really amazing that uh that there are alternatives out there that you have to take time to to build a network there but that's really the only thing you can do you know and i understand that echo chambers are not healthy necessarily these liberals are saying well the reason why you go these alternatives alternative sites is because you, you just want an echo chamber. But really what the big tech is doing and social media is doing is creating their own, their own echo chamber right. by silencing those who they disagree with. They're creating their own echo chamber. 
they're not against an echo chamber. They just want to control the echo. That's, that's right. That's yes. why this is all happening. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. Um, and, and sooner or later, whether it's Parler, whether it's Gab, now Gitter, one of these other sites is going to rise to the top. And, you know, what I mainly use these sites for myself is just news. I don't, I don't watch network news. I don't watch uh, cable news. I, I just scroll through Twitter once a day. And I can pretty much tell what's going on if I do that. I'll scroll mm-hmm. through Facebook a couple times a day and I'll see what my, you know, my aunts and uncles had for lunch that day. But I'll also kind of get the headline of whatever's happening. And that's really what I use social media for. Yes. Uh, churches, on the other hand, I during the COVID pandemic, how many churches all of a sudden started an online ministry? And the easiest way to operate an online ministry was Facebook. Mm. You you download a driver, you put a set of camera up, you hit record, and all of a sudden you're putting live videos on Facebook. And I would say that has increased, I don't know, 200-fold since the pandemic. These churches are still relying on Facebook to get messages out. We're in winter weather, if we're going to have to cancel for ice or snow. They get on Facebook and put this information out. What's going to happen when Facebook has had enough of real Christianity and begins to turn off churches? Right. right. All of those messages that you've logged on Facebook are going to be deleted permanently mm-hmm. forever. Yes. Uh, you're not going to get to keep them. All of the information and your ability to communicate with your church is going to be lost. So mm-hmm. what I recommend churches do to counter this censorship, whether they've experienced it now or they're going to experience it in the future, every church ought to have its own website. There are church website builders. There are people that will do it. I bet if you've got somebody, if you've got 10 people in your church under 30, somebody can probably build your website for you. Websites can be censored because somebody runs the server, but Mm -hmm. not nearly as easy as Facebook. I mean, with Facebook fact checker, you're talking about a a 25-year-old social justice warrior sitting in a room in Phoenix, Arizona, that with one click of a button can erase everything your church has put out for years. Right. So build your own website. Uh, teach your people to go to the website and look at it. Mm-hmm. You can still share links to the website on social media. And then I highly recommend putting your sermons on a site like Sermon Audio. I know you use Sermon Audio. Uh, When I pastored Lee Creek, we were on Sermon Audio. That is, they are building their own database where those things will not ever be taken down or or go away. Mm -hmm. And so pay for a service like Sermon Audio. Ensure that you're, as best you can, big big government and and big media can't just come in and shut you off. That that would be my recommendation for every church. Do it now. Be proactive ahead of the game. Yes. Don't don't wait until they totally take you off off the grid uh, it, and that brings up another thing our patriot pastors facebook page <laughs> you talk about censorship and suppression facebook really uh tremendously suppresses our reach with that patriot pastors podcast page on facebook and you know i think it's probably probably because the name itself number one it's the word patriots on there and that is you know deemed as an insurrectionist word today and then the word pastor oh wow 
a patriot pastor. Wow, these guys are really, really crazy. But uh, so, yeah, our reach on there, I, I still uh, post a lot on that site just really to bug Zuckerberg. You know, it, it really does not get a whole lot of attention at all. You rebellious but patriot, you're I sticking am. it to the man. Wow, I am a true patriot for sure. But, you know, it's just it's just crazy how, how much our podcast gets suppressed. I mean, you yeah. YouTube channel, uh, again, the the use of the algorithms that they use and the different names uh, that that pop up, such as our as in our title, they just suppress the reach. Right. And so we're looking as you know, Harold and I are looking at different alternatives to try to uh, maximize our reach as much as par- uh, much as possible. Um, Rumble is a good alternative to YouTube. There is no censorship at all, no suppression of those type things. Uh, but what you're seeing is just a the billionaire elites who are dictating the narrative. And uh, you know, you know, Trump is coming out with his new social media page. You, have you heard about that? Well, he's been doing it for a long time. Is it is it finally here? Or is it's, it still- I think it's coming uh, in February, I believe. You know what the title of it is? What? Name of it? Truth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't like the. I don't like the name of it. Um, but it's typical Trump. You know, it's. <laughs> well, I think the main thing here is we just like Southern Baptists right now. I've got to quit turning a blind eye to what's going on in the convention. You need to quit turning a blind eye to the censorship that's taking place on social media. You know, mm-hmm. whether you're an individual, you know, you need to be finding some alter- alternate sources and start building the network there. And if you're a church, you need to try to, there's nothing wrong with being on social media. That's where the people are. That's where we should be. But we need a backup plan and our people mm-hmm. need to know that backup plan because overnight, everything that we've done on social media could be turned off. Right. So right. Um, all of these things, just like we started off the the, the show talking about uh, January 6th, a day that will live in infamy. It, if mm-hmm. they want to take anything that a church does and spin it in a bad way, then all of a sudden the church will be the enemy. And uh, yeah, something yeah. we didn't talk about, and maybe we will on the next podcast, there's a bill in Canada, C4 is the number, name of the bill, and basically it will outlaw evangelism. Mm-hmm. And so when yeah. that occurs... Canadian social media will have to follow suit if that occurs. Sure. I know it's got to pass, but the point I'm driving at is it's coming. Get ready, make preparations because mm-hmm. we're not going to dodge this. Right. You know, we're right. going to go through this until it turns around and uh, yes. we need to be prepared. Right. You know, in Canada, it is now illegal for you as a pastor or counselor to give counsel to someone who is. Uh, contemplating homosexuality to turn them from that and turn to a more uh, a biblical sexuality that is now illegal in Canada. Isn't that yeah. crazy? It is. It's, yeah, that's not that's not some communist regime somewhere. That's no. Canada. Right. Right. I yeah. Mean, it's just crazy. It is, and, and really, this is you could say this is just a a fraction of what seems to be to come even for our country and uh and this pandemic has really 
opened sped. a lot of people's eyes and yeah. sped up this process of this uh, totalitarian government. Yeah, you know? the pandemic, we got to be careful. And, and I know you agree with me on this. The pandemic didn't create this. It revealed this. Yes. The pandemic didn't didn't close churches. It revealed we had a bunch of sick churches already. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if anything out there, pastors have to take responsibility for their congregations. They have to take responsibility for where we're headed. And just like with the pandemic, a lot of them got caught flat footed. And with the next pandemic, whatever it is, whatever the law changes, if pastors don't have their, you know, their ear to the ground and their eye on the sky, they're going to get caught again. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just going to reveal there again, the condition that we're in. So, yes, that's right. Yeah. So censorship is, is a real thing. If you are a conservative and, um, your words will be held against you. Yeah. The restraint will eventually come off and we will suffer the wrath of a government and a citizenship that does not like our God and they won't like us because we're his people. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to happen, uh, barring a, a revival from the Holy Spirit where God chooses yes. to, to change the hearts of a large group of people in our society. And the only way that will happen is for you and I to be faithful, to preach the gospel and stand with our convictions and be willing to face the persecution. Yes, I was in Twitter jail, but uh, fortunately it was not the kind of jail that the Apostle Paul was well, in so I'm just glad that you didn't get the teardrop <laughs> tattooed in the corner of your eye. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, listen, it's been a good podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening to us and I want to wish everyone a very happy new year and may the Lord bless you and keep you.